What's up, guys? Welcome to the Mind of Soul podcast. This is actually our first episode with a guest, which is super dope. Heyo! Um, and so, <laughs> my guest today is my close friend, Tani Shimizu, an artist, humanitarian, traveler. Tani has dedicated the past few years of her life to the idea of traveling and assisting others. Um, following her graduation from my fellow alma, alma mater, uh, Saugus High School, under some not so desirable <laughs> circumstances. Um, Tani set off on a five month stint in northern Peru teaching English to kids. She now continues to travel and just recently getting back from a month long trip in Bali and is looking forward to hopefully transferring to UCLA, finishing her education in global studies. And yeah, you are the first guest on this podcast. Well, that's so pretty super much it. Dope. I mean, you summed it up. So <laughs> yeah, right? That's it. <laughs> but no, like, tell like what more about like Tani is there. Like, first, like, you like, give the introduction like better than I could probably. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. As far as like when we're talking about, um, I know you were mentioning kind of like a topic of conversation being how you've changed kind mm-hmm. of as an individual and how like traveling specifically really kind of impacts your worldview, impacts you as a person, kind of your ideas of successes and all those kinds of things. And so I think specifically now, um, I kind of look back on the past couple of years. I'm going on two years since I graduated high school, right, which right. is weird. Um, and it feels like it's been a lifetime within right. you know, those nearly two years. Um, and it, but at the same time, it's gone by so quick. And I've learned kind of this new mm-hmm. way of life, <laughs> I guess, um, for lack of a better term. But no, I mean, like, what were the start? circumstances that like led you? Yeah, especially like now recently, where travel has been like a big part of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, because before, like Tony, that I met originally was like not way different, mm-hmm. but definitely not on the same route that she is today. Oh yeah, of course. Um, well, I guess starting from the beginning. So I grew up traveling. Um, my mom is from Peru, so that whole notion of like you know, wanting to go out and see new things was pretty much planted in me at quite a early age. But I think to the extent that it is now, it, you know, it didn't exist like that. Um, So yeah, I mean, I grew up uh, in a household where education was like by far the most important thing. Um, And so I was, there was a lot expected of me, but at the same time, I was always naturally really gifted in school. And so I never really struggled. Um, And so growing up, that was kind of like my idea of success was you go to school, you get really good grades and then you graduate high school, go to a really good college and then get a really good high paying job and kind of live that lucrative life. Like American dream. Exactly. Get it done. The very standard, like linear view of success. And that was what I thought was it pretty much. I was like, that's all I want for myself because that's what I was told. And so, um, all throughout high school, I, you know, I worked really hard at the end of the day. I did. Um, and so there was never really this idea like I never had any sort of doubts that Mm. things wouldn't work out the way that I had planned them to. So pretty much going into my senior year of high school, I, I mean, looking back, I definitely think that I was kind of overly confident. Like I didn't see any flaws. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I went to apply to college, um, again, like it wasn't really a question of, am I going to get in? Yeah. It was more of where am I going to decide to go pretty much. And I thought that I had it set. There was like really no reason in my mind. Cause you were representing with like a 4.3. Exactly. uh, Something freaking ridiculous. (laughs) But no, yeah. And like I had worked really hard and so I, I didn't see any reason for things to go differently pretty much. Um, But one thing I I do want to mention is, like, looking back on the person that I was, you know, despite, like, the student, of course, I was a good student. But I think that I kind of grew up um, with, and I I can say this now because it's not true anymore, Mm. um, but I think I had this this really false sense of superiority because Mm. I felt like somehow my success in school... um, made me inherently better than Mm -hmm. other people. And I felt that intelligence was only defined by what kinds of grades you get. And so, I mean, truthfully speaking, like I don't necessarily think that I was the best person. Um, So anyway, uh, I applied to a bunch of schools. 
Um, and as you know, Berkeley was my dream school right. by far. I was pretty much dead set on going there. Um, looking back, I don't really know why. I think it was mostly <laughs> just a matter of prestige, yeah, to be yeah. quite honest with you. Um, and that's and how it is for like a lot of people too. Exactly. It's like, especially in this area where we live, um, being Santa Clarita, where yeah. education, achievement, everything like that is like super ingrained into our culture here, mm -hmm. especially like in the young culture. Um, a lot of what we see, especially like we are yeah. both at COC, mm -hmm. which is the community college here. Um, and we have a lot of our friends and people that we know that have come back over the years from the different schools and places mm -hmm. that they went to because they only went there for prestige or for the name title being exactly. going to a four-year university. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and so that was that was another thing. It was like, to me, like, the, if somebody went to COC, it was because they were, like, this terrible student, yep. like, oh, my gosh, you right. suck, and now you have no other option. And now you're stuck with all of us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so college acceptance season came around, and me, yep. of course, being the cocky bastard that I was, was sure that I was going <laughs> was to get it in set. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was dead set. Um, and one by one, the mm. rejections rolled in, and I was like, what the hell is going on, right, pretty much. Right. Like, totally confused, and I think, like, slowly, I was kind of losing confidence, first mm. of all, and a bit of my sense of self, because one thing that I can say um, about the way that I was brought up is my mom really did an incredible job of making sure that my self-worth was determined by my intelligence, by my work ethic, and kind of just me as an individual rather right. than kind of anything superficial or yeah, exterior. Yeah, and by intelligence you mean like your self-intelligence, like yeah, understanding, like my, knowing yeah. what you know. Emotional intelligence, yeah. my capacity Not to, the idea yeah. of like, I'm an A-straight student, that's no. where my self-worth is. But that's yeah, what yeah. I thought that it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, and so slowly that started diminishing. And by this point, right, about a month or so of college acceptances, I was rejected from pretty much everywhere. I had one school left to hear from. It was right. Berkeley, right? right? Ironically enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, one. yeah, I ended up going on a vacation to India with my family, and I was there in, like, early one morning, Berna, you know, mm -hmm. Berna, one of my yeah, best yeah. friends, she calls me, freaking out that she had gotten into Berkeley. So, basically, like, the acceptances had come right, out. Right. So all of a sudden, like, that pit in my stomach, like, holy shit, mm. this is the last school that I have to hear from. Mm. This and is while you're still in India. Exactly. I'm right. in India, right, <laughs> yes. of all places. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was the last school I had to hear from, and part of me was essentially kind of like, no, this clearly means that, like, this is where I was meant to go, like, it's going to happen, there's right. no way that it's not. Open the letter, open the email, and we're sorry to inform you. Ugh. So at that point, I... Honestly, I don't even think that I cried mm -hmm. because I was just kind of like really, really, really shocked and right. confused and scared mm. because in that moment it basically meant that every plan that I had up until that point was no longer feasible in right. that moment. Right, right. Right? But to me, it was pretty much like, okay, you're a failure. Right. And so I felt so much shame. I was incredibly embarrassed, mm. which is kind of weird because I was thinking to myself, the first th thing that I thought to myself was, what are people going to think? Right. And I realized how s obsessed I was right. with having other people think that I was smart mm. or having other people think that I was this amazing, accomplished person rather than trying to fulfill myself right. and rather than trying to make sure that I was actually doing what it was that I wanted to do. And so, you know... Again, along with the embarrassment, I was like, what are my parents going to think, mm -hmm. right? Because I was always expected to yeah. do this. There was never... Yeah, everybody yeah. thought this was going to happen yeah. for me, pretty much. And so did I. And it just didn't make sense. And looking back, I I think that was unfair um, for me to think that I was, like, entitled to this in any yeah, way. Yeah. Um, because it could have been a new... Uh, you know and numerous reasons why it happened. Right. Um, there's tons of kids who are incredibly qualified and maybe they just worked harder, right? right but that right. wasn't the thought that yeah, came yeah. into my mind initially. And so I remember I came out of the room that I had locked to check the email because I didn't want anybody to see me because right. I was terrified. And my mom was sitting on the couch. We were staying in a family friend's condo. Right. And I looked at her and she's obviously excited to know 
what happened. And that was when I just started crying, right? right? And to be quite honest with you, I've never felt so just lost, mm -hmm. sad. I hated myself because again, like I felt that in that moment I had completely failed. Everything yeah. that I had worked up, like up until that point, everything that I had worked yeah. for. This is like was 12 get... years of like exactly work. Because again, to like that was to me what success was, right. right? And so, you know, having that many rejections mm -hmm. and then ultimately not getting in anywhere was, was pretty defeating. Right. Um, and so for a while, I'm not going to lie. I think I was just really, really sad mm -hmm. and I didn't necessarily know what to do with myself. Um, and so that same day, uh, my mom had planned to go to this like botanical garden. And I'm like, literally the last <laughs> thing I want to do right now. Right. I'm like, right. I got, just got rejected from every school, school. that I've applied to. Mm. I'm like pretty much depressed and just want to sulk in my sadness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but instead, you know, to please my mother, mm -hmm. we went to this goddamn botanical garden <laughs> and I was like, wow, this actually really, really sucks. And so funny enough, one experience that I had that day, right. Mm -hmm. Ended up that whole day right, right. pretty much changed the entire course of my life Yeah. for the better looking back. Right. So we go to this stupid botanical garden. I'm hating it. And then as we're leaving, right, India is, Everywhere you go, there's an absurd amount of people, mm -hmm. right? And of course, you know, it's an incredib incredibly impoverished country. Right. Um, and so it is sometimes hard to, to see the things that you see um, while you're traveling there. And so we're walking out, and I see this woman who's sitting on the ground, right? Pretty much just her hands stretched out. And I looked at her, and I was like, I don't know what it was mm -hmm. about that moment, but I could relate to her in some sense because she looked just as defeated as I felt mm -hmm. pretty much. And all of these people were walking by her and nobody was really paying her any attention. And so I walked up to her and I pulled out like some random Indi Indian rupee or whatever yeah, the yeah. heck from my pocket. It was what, maybe like a buck 50 at most. Yeah. And I kneeled down and I handed it to her and immediately she started just sobbing, crying. So obviously me starts <laughs> sobbing, sobbing crying. and of course, and I was like, she was like grabbing my hands and like kissing me. And I didn't like even realize that something so small would have such a massive impact. Mm. And I know that sounds so like ignorant and whatever, but in the moment I wasn't thinking like, wow, I'm going to change this woman's life or whatever. I, it right. might've not, you know, it's something obviously small, but. What I kind of, how that moment really changed my life is I realized I've always had a passion for people. I yeah. think you know this about yeah, me. I yeah, can literally talk for a billion years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I realized how important it is, right, to stop being so goddamn selfish. Yeah. And to try to pursue a life of, you know, like giving a life mm. where I am of service to others. And it was this two minute interaction with this, you know, elderly woman in yeah. the middle of India. On probably like one of your worst days. On one of you, my worst yeah. days. And it was like insane how things happen and how something so small like that yeah, could yeah. totally change everything and change yeah. completely how I saw the rest of kind of my life going. Because mm -hmm. even like on the flip side of that, it's like, the small action that you gave of just giving the little amount of rupee that you had to that woman, mm -hmm. she gave you just the small, like, in the, in the bigger picture of things, just the small affection of showing how much that meant to her exactly. ended up being something yeah. so large to you as well. well. I mean, yeah, I mean, when I think about it, it's like, in a lot of ways, that woman was kind of like that initial, like, she was kind of, in a lot of ways, the person who made me realize in that split second, like, dude, you gotta stop yeah. trying to, you know pursue this definition of success that like really right, right. it doesn't even make you happy what well, i applied to schools as like a business major yeah, and looking yeah. back i'm like i would have hated it <laughs> yeah like i literally would have been miserable i would yeah. have hated it and i was only doing it because i thought that that was that what was it the meant root yeah of to be what successful. successful yeah exactly yeah. this like like i said before it's like this very like linear path mm. to success with like very specific yeah like accomplishments along the way it's i graduate high school and then i get into college yeah, and yeah. like all, all of these kinds of things and it's 
very infrequent where you see people kind of like stray off that path and like mm. kind of pursue this other route mm. that you know they do it because that's really what's going to make them happy yeah. and they don't care about you know people telling them that hey like mm. you know like you're gonna be a failure because whatever you don't go yeah, to this yeah. specific college or whatever you don't even go to college some right. people are incredibly successful and don't even go to college at yeah. all um but anyway that same night i get back and I told my mom, I looked her in the eyes and I was like, I'm just going to travel. Mm-hmm. Literally within the same day, I get rejected <laughs> yeah, from yeah. college. Just have, and then I'm like, I'm just going to travel. And she's like, she looked at me and she was like, she literally says, she goes, Mija, right? Mm-hmm. This is your opportunity to literally pave your own path. And right, she was right. like, you've always been somebody who is incredibly outspoken and has, you know, all of this potential. Like, yeah. why are you going to let like one incident, right? The supposed failure completely you know, break you and break like you define yeah. you as an individual. Right, right. So I booked a ticket to <laughs> Peru. Yeah. And at this point, like <laughs> nobody like, yeah. like this is the beginning of like a five month time period where no one knew. A little knew, longer. Yeah. Like, no one knew where Tawny mm-hmm. was. <laughs> like yeah. we would have conversations between all of us and like, have you heard from Tawny? He's like, I have no idea yeah. where she is Yeah, I mean, for sure, doing. like my family knew my, yeah, yeah. and you know, I have to say like, I'm so, so incredibly lucky that I do have parents who are so supportive like and and second of all i mean i realize how privileged i am to even have the financial means to do right, things right. that i did um you know and a lot of people wish that they could do it um mm. but unfortunately they can't and so i you know i must say that like first of all to my parents i'm incredibly indebted and grateful i couldn't have obviously done it without yeah. them supporting me i was freaking yeah. 17 years old i right, never right. had a job had no money to my name like mm-hmm. i wasn't about i couldn't afford it on my own <laughs> right, so right. Um, so yeah, and so basically, um, you know, it, it took a long time following that to be Mm. certain of myself that I was making the right decision Mm. and certain of myself that even though I was choosing to do something else, which would ultimately turn out to be pretty much the greatest decision that I ever made for myself, I, I was really scared that it wasn't what was best for me and that, Mm -hmm. I was kind of making this rash decision to do something that maybe I might regret. Um, and yeah, I mean, there was, there was a lot of, of just shame still. and like having to tell people like, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't get it anywhere now. now do you still go. face that sort of like, not shame, but that sort of like animosity whenever people ask you about like, yeah, any of I that mean, sort of stuff? The thing is, it's like, I... I think that I'm really happy with where I am now. Um, Not in the way of where I feel comfortable enough to be stagnant. Mm. Of course, I think that I really am eager to grow and to continue moving forward. Um, But at the same time, I I find myself um, sometimes in situations where I feel like I need to validate Mm. the reasons for why I am where I am. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I go to C, get COC, but it's because well, I took a gap semester and then mm. you know now I'm transferring and like right, right. instead of just you being like that, yeah, that I go to COC exactly, and I th- I like consciously have to think to myself it's like there's no reason for you to try to validate yourself mm. to these people because it's like I think you know it doesn't matter yeah, first yeah. of all if somebody's judging you like I used to judge people right. for you know going to community college which mind you. Financially speaking, you're really making the best <laughs> yeah, decision, yeah. right? So yeah. it's like, who's really the real like winner the here? Consolidation, like all of us have made at some point. It's exactly. like, I've saved a whole ass time. Yeah. Of money. <laughs> like, but then, then clearly, there, it's when we go back to thinking about that kind of like false sense of superiority, it's yeah, like, yeah. it doesn't make you any less of a person, and it doesn't make you any better of a person mm-hmm. because you go to some prestigious four year university. Yeah. You know what I mean? And at the same time, it's like, this is only temporary, right? Like yeah, for people yeah. who want to keep moving forward, you're going to get yeah, there eventually. Gonna, like, when you graduate if, with it's your when, degree, whole, exactly. Yeah. It's a matter of when. When you graduate with your degree from whatever amazing school you decide to go to, mm-hmm. nobody's going to, you know, bother with yeah, being like, yeah. "Oh, so you went to COC first. It's like literally nobody no, cares. Yeah. And jobs don't care. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the real world doesn't care. care. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely still struggle with feeling like I might have to like validate myself but I mean that's always going to be kind of like a like a personal insecurity I think Mm. just like wanting to have people think of me a certain way way. yeah yeah um 
But I mean, I think that everybody struggles with oh, yeah. something. Um, so I don't know, but, but yeah, I mean, I graduated and to be quite honest, I, there was a lot of people who were incredibly confused by the decision mm. I was making pretty right, much. Right. And I remember pretty much all of my teachers were like, what the hell is she doing? Mm. My counselor was like, that's a terrible, straight up <laughs> was like, that's a terrible decision. Why would you, you know, it was a decision to go to Peru. Exactly. Yeah, to yeah. travel for, yeah, yeah. you know, the time that I was traveling. Um, or whatever to take a gap semester and so many people were just like well why would you do that and mm. go away from school like you're not going to want to go back and all these kinds of things um and i remember there's one specific teacher mr miller my ap euro teacher yeah. who's also my ap world teacher my senior year i love that man mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> yep. seriously yep um he when i told him he literally lit up and he was like that is so amazing all right you're going to learn so much. You're going to grow so much as a person. Mm-hmm. And just him saying that, because right, even right. though I was like, kind of the idea was growing on me, I was really excited because I was like, this is going to be awesome. Like, whatever. Um, him saying that mm-hmm. really kind of validated me in a lot right. of ways. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is a great Your opportunity. Idea. This is a good I'm idea. I'm not yeah, making yeah. a crazy Rats decision. decision. Yeah, 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 where I'm like going to just be on my own at 17 Mm -hmm. in a different country, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So come the day I leave, I'm dead ass getting on this plane and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, oh crap. Right. I'm about to leave for a very long time. For like into a totally different culture because like, yeah. And I mean, my mom's Peruvian. Yeah. My mom's Peruvian. Yeah. But you were never like super introduced to like the full culture or I mean as like far that. as yeah of course I grew up going right. to Peru my my family lives in Lima right um and I grew up traveling back and forth but I mean as far as like living there by myself mm-hmm. for that long without any family because I was my family lives in Lima which is like obviously the coastal right, city right. and I was going to be living in Cusco which is first of all it is quite different culturally and again I really just didn't know what I was getting myself into mm. um at all and so yeah, I mean, I would be lying if I said I wasn't scared, Right. obviously. So I get there, and I think instantly I felt right at home. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, first of all, it's an amazing city, uh, which grew on me tremendously, and in a lot of ways, I think that that was kind of like the birthplace of this right, like, right. new beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so the work that I was doing, um, it was honestly amazing, and... Mm-hmm changed my life in a lot of ways and so essentially the first project that I was working on was at this girl's home for uh, young mothers who were victims of sexual assault mm-hmm. so the place was called uh, Hogar Juana de Asa and it was right in the middle in the nook in the city mm-hmm. and I would walk there every day and I tell you that I would wake up every morning so excited because I knew that my day was going to be spent doing something that was greater than myself Yeah, right. and I knew that I was going to be doing things not for my necessarily for my own gain, although it ended up obviously making you me grow a lot. A lot. You yeah. a lot from it. Yeah, but yeah. I was so excited to know that I, even if in the slightest way, mm-hmm. was helping these girls, right? And so after three months, obviously, I became super, super attached to all these girls. And so they were ages 13 to 18. They all, of course, had been victims of sexual assault. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, I'm not going to lie, like, incredibly difficult emotionally mm. to know that these girls who are my age were dealing with something so tremendous yeah, yeah. and burdensome and you know emotionally draining um i mean imagine being 13 years old yeah. and i mean not to get super dark but like having to go having, that. having been like you know abused by yeah. someone even in your family and yeah. now having a child and it's like that's a hard, hard. yeah thing and like and for me it was like and sometimes I was just like, I don't even know what I can do. But, um, so we started like fun fundraising for these girls to mm-hmm. pursue, um, education. Like a lot of the older awesome. girls, once they were graduating from like secondary school, right, right. um, some like trade schools was specifically right. kind of like what they were aiming for. And there was one girl, um, her name was Brenda. She was 18 and she was mother to I think he was four years old 
and I remember it took it takes a while right for you to kind of like have them break down their walls and to really mm. like get close to them yeah yeah so I think like a month and a half in you're sitting there on this bench packing popcorn which they we would sell like mm. on the street pretty right, much right. for money um and it was like one of the ways that they fundraised yeah and all of a sudden, it was pretty much like word vomit. And she started like telling me her life story pretty oh, much. Wow. And I was trying so hard not to cry because I was like, wow, this girl is literally like the strongest person I've ever right. met in my entire life. And all of a sudden, of course, I'm incredibly emotional. <laughs> right, right. So the both of us just start crying there. Right. And I like realized, like I just wanted her to know in that moment that no matter what, even if it feels like the world is against you, like at mm. least... Like, I want you to know that I'm your friend right. and that I care about you and that even if there's not much that I can do, like, at least I'm here mm -hmm. to listen. Um, and, I mean, I think just, like, nonprofit work in general can be hard because you have this, when you first start doing any of this kind of work, you have this, like, burning desire to just help and save everybody. Right. And the reality is you, you can't. can't. Yeah. And it's a hard reality to cope with sometimes. Um but yeah, I mean, yeah, getting close to those girls and just knowing that they let me in mm -hmm. even just a little bit, um, it meant a lot and it definitely opened my eyes to my own passions, right? right? Um, which I think you know now, like, I'm obviously actively pursuing, mm -hmm. um, which is helping people and working for others right, and, you know, right. doing this kind of nonprofit work. So it was those girls and like seeing that, you know, they were really working hard to try to help themselves. Yeah. Um, and so I realized kind of that I wanted to have some sort of skill set that I could give to them mm -hmm. that would kind of be more long lasting, right? Like, sure, I can be here right. for you yeah. and be a friend, but at the end of the day, I'm going to have to leave yeah, in a couple so months yeah, yeah. and I don't want to leave you with nothing. And so... Um, Cusco being this incredibly touristic city, mm -hmm. um, speaking English is like a massive asset. And so I decided that I was going to take a course to become a certified English teacher. And so I did. So I, I was working for about two and a half months or so, or three months. And then I started taking this course, which is called TEFL, it's teaching English for foreign learners. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I finished the course and I started teaching English to the girls and I realized how beneficial it was yeah. pretty much, right? To like, to be able to provide them with yeah, yeah. some sort of, like I said, asset that would, you know, Yeah, it's one of those like, them. it's what you weave there. Or like, especially like as we like both are travelers, I think mm -hmm. it's something that I've noticed, especially as I've traveled more and I've talked to a lot more people. Mm -hmm. um, I think the most memorable parts of where we go are often what we leave or the parts of ourselves that we leave in those yeah. places more or less than the things that we take. So oh, I think gosh. like one of That's the, a great way to put it. Yeah, it's like I think one of the big things with like traveling, especially like in the younger generation and people that like were around, it's always like, Oh, I wanna go here, 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 and here. Mm -hmm. Um and they're always thinking about like what they're gonna be able to take from these experiences and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But these are also cultures and people that you're meeting and getting to experience life mm -hmm. with. Yeah. What parts of yourself are you leaving with them? Yeah, and I mean uh, to to kind of add to that, like I think when people think of oh, wow, like you're doing nonprofit work. It's like in a lot of ways you get all of the praise. Mm -hmm. But I can genuinely and honestly say that I think that the experiences that I've had working and doing this kind of stuff, I have. N I don't think that I've ever given them more than what they've given me. Right. And not in anything material mm -hmm. or monetary or whatever, but just, you know, the love mm -hmm. that, they, that the people have given me. Like truthfully, and this is honestly a fact of life I think right, right. that the people that have the least always That's want to give them. the most yeah, yeah. and they're always so open mm. to embracing you and to you know bringing you into their home mm. and like so eager to yeah just you know be friends and mm -hmm. to show you so much love um and that goes for you know most places that I've been yeah like on, like on that story you are you've been part of like helping me write my book and I remember talking to oh. you and conversating about yeah. my book um and I was asking like what was one of the big things that you took from it and you were talking about a story that you had with a village leader um where you were staying while you're still in Peru and mm. his experience of not really wanting to change who he was yeah um yeah so the first 
couple weeks that I was that I did get to Peru before I actually started working at mm -hmm. that um, home, I was living with an indigenous community just right outside of the city of Cusco, mm -hmm. um, in a place called Coyotaro, very small, small indigenous area. Right. Um, so pretty much barely running water, mm -hmm. and even so, it was incredibly freezing. So. Not to be gross, but showers were limited because <laughs> your girl didn't want to get hypothermia. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and so um, it was beautiful waking up at five in the morning to take the cows down to graze on the pastures yes. and yeah, like the bulls yeah, and then the nice men would Sunday morning stroll. Just... Yeah, it was pretty much insane. Like yeah, when right. you when you read like National Geographic magazines right, and you're right. like, wow, that's crazy. Like all of these, and then all of a sudden I was like living it and I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done, right, but also right. like, how did I end, end up, up here? here. <laughs> like, what? It's like I was sitting in Santa Cruz in and out Hating like a couple my life, months like, ago. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. And now I'm here and oh my gosh, it was the most beautiful experience. One of the most beautiful experiences that I've ever had. Right. Um, but yeah, what you were talking about. Um, so the family had a son who had Down syndrome who... He, you know, had no speech, mm -hmm. um, and I think that the parents really struggled with knowing how to deal with the situation because just like any parents, mm -hmm. all they wanted was the best for their child, but I think that they knew that they didn't necessarily have the resources to give him the help that he needed, um, specifically when it came to, obviously, his education. Right, right. Um, so I remember we were sitting, right, and... The mother, her name is Zenobia, cooking over an open wood fire, nice. um, you know, just as you do mm -hmm. in the middle of Cusco, Peru. Right. Um, <laughs> and so she looks at me and she literally says, do you ever think that my son will talk? And wow. I'm 17. I don't know anything. Right. <laughs> pretty much, right. to be honest. It's like a, like a couple weeks ago, you were like going through like the biggest like mental breakdown yeah, in your life. What? And I, like, have this existential question. Yeah, I'm like, how do I answer this? And so I started going off about, well, you know, back home, there's a lot of people who have Down syndrome who end up living these really full and beautiful lives, right. completely capable individuals, um, while also knowing that it's because of, obviously, where you live. It's like yeah. the luck of the draw, right? These, yeah. A lot of people don't have access to the resources that they need, kind mm. of obviously, like in this case. And so... Um, the dad, his name was Marcos, he was also like the president of the village pretty much. Right, right. Um, and so he, we start talking about, you know, I was like, well, would you ever consider like moving to the city mm. and, you know, to send your son to school and, you know, obviously he's going to have kind of more opportunity there and all of these things. And I think that that uh, is like a difficult conversation to have, right? Because... I think in a lot of ways I had this notion that, well, like, there's a certain way of life that is, like, objectively the best, mm. and I've had a pretty good life, so it must mean that, like, in this a lot of ways, my is... way of life or whatever is kind of, like, inherently what's mm -hmm. good or whatever, um, which is absurd. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, I think that there was kind of, like, this underlying idea of mm. that, and so Marcos grabs me by the hand, mm. takes me outside, and literally, it's like something out of a Pocahontas movie. Right, right. <laughs> goes, these are the greenest mountains that you're ever going to see and the bluest skies. And he goes, and every morning that I wake up, like, I know that the work that I'm putting in and, like, the labor that I'm putting in mm -hmm. is directly feeding my family and I am capable of providing for them, right? Right. So, but at the end of the day, right, he's sad of the fact that, like, this is the life that he loves mm -hmm. and this is the life that he believes is best for his family this beautiful life that he's created. It's literally everything that he has mm -hmm. was a result of his literal manual yeah, labor. Yeah, like blood, sweat, and tears exactly. in the most literal sense. Literally, yeah. Um, but at the same time, he's kind of in this dilemma of, I know that my son needs more mm. if I ever want him to live anything remotely close to a normal life. Right. And so that's hard. Yeah. Like, what do you do? You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So it was like this accumulation of like all of these experiences, like I said, is it's like, I went there with the intention of I'm going to help these people. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, 
they, they helped me. me. Like, yeah, they helped you. Yeah, I think like, it's like I think that's like the commonality. Like we have like tons of friends who have traveled and everything mm -hmm. like that. I think that's a common thread between all of us. Is like we always go like everybody that we know goes with the intention of like I'm gonna assist these people, whether it's like our friends that travel mm -hmm. like to so Southern Sudan or places like that. Yeah. And it always ends up they come back and like, oh my lord, let me teach I'm you what changed. these yeah I'm <laughs> yeah. <woman. laughs> it's like let me teach you what these people taught me, and I'm like oh, that's yeah. like. Especially as humanitarians, I think that's the one big thing that like we've all learned over time mm -hmm. is that as a humanitarian, your goal is never really to change people oh, gosh, or to yeah. make their culture into like what you grew up in. Mm -hmm. I think that's like the one yeah, I, I don't wanna say wrongdoing that a lot of like people getting into humanitarian work have. Well I think that it's just the false perception. Yeah. Right? Because I mean, like I yeah, going off of that, I, I think that definitely growing up here in this incredibly privileged and sheltered life. Right, That's right. the truth. Um, there is this idea of idealism, mm -hmm. right? And I think I, I mention this a lot in like conversation with, with friends. Because, um, of course, I'm studying global studies. And so there right, is, right. this is kind of like a massive topic, like mm -hmm. overarching theme of, of my field of study is that, that like the idea of like Western idealism, I mm -hmm. guess we can just generalize, not just American idealism, yeah, yeah. but Western idealism is that, you know, the lifestyle that other people live, right? It seems to people sometimes backward or less mm. developed or even just less than in general. Yeah, yeah. Well, even like the term third world country is like, yeah, absurd, exactly. Like, itself, and, yeah. and it's, it's a very easy perception to kind of maintain of the rest of the world. And then you go there and you realize that so many people here are living very similar lives to the ones that I am, just mm -hmm. in a different place, Yeah, you know? But at the end of the day, there's so much commonality. Like, what do people want at the end of the day? It's just like love. Yeah, love, family, family, friends, and, yeah. a, you know, success for themselves. They mm -hmm. want to be happy. It's like, at the end of the day, like, they're not different from yeah, us, yeah. right? And... And there is, like, I think that I've adopted this, like, massive passion for just wanting to preserve cultures mm -hmm. um, and specifically people groups who are incredibly vulnerable to the effects of, like, globalization or, like, yeah. this kind of, like, westernization. Because that's the beauty of the world is mm -hmm. that no one place is yeah. the same. It's and... like we all have these differences, but in the reality of things, there's, like, these super big similarities between everybody. Yeah. Exactly. And I think specifically, like, when it came to, like, living with that um, community in Peru was, so my grandmother is actually from an indigenous region of Peru, mm -hmm. Andahuaylas, which is a bit more east mm -hmm. um, in the country. So she grew up speaking Quechua, which is, like, an indigenous language. And this family spoke Quechua, and so it was kind of, like, this opportunity of, like, wow, this is really yeah, epitomizes yeah. my yeah, culture and my background yeah. um, from, obviously, my mom's side. And that was like an experience that most people dream of having. Right, right. And I was 17 and I got to live it. And so, I mean, I can't even describe how grateful I was to have had that opportunity. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so it's just every, every person that I met, mm -hmm. um, not just locals, but even just other people who where I was living with other, you know, volunteer, um, volunteers and just other travelers, etc. Like, yeah, yeah. I think that the biggest thing that I took away was that, first of all, the idea of just like wanting to live a life of service. Mm -hmm. Um, and the second one was allowing myself to be influenced by others mm -hmm. and kind of letting go of this idea that I'm always right yeah, or yeah. that my ideas are better or anything and just letting myself in a lot of ways just be a student yeah. to the people that I met, to the experiences that I had, to life in yeah. general. And I know it sounds very like... existential crisis. Yeah, yeah or yeah. like, <laughs> like I'm going through this in life. <laughs> but it's true. Like at the end of the day, what is life about, yeah. right? If you're too comfortable and if you're stagnant and if you're not growing, if mm. you're not learning, then you're not really doing it right, honestly. Yeah, right, <laughs> you're not right, growing. Right. and. Like, you're not really living. Yeah. Uh, I think that life is all about learning. And so that's exactly what I was doing. And it wasn't in a traditional Sense. classroom yeah. setting. It was in a practical, I'm really living mm -hmm. and I'm really seeing other parts of the world and gaining a greater, like a greater understanding mm -hmm. of the world around me. 
Um, so I don't know if you knew this, but after I was in Peru, um, I ended up going to Costa Rica, mm. where I was living in this really, really small town right. called Ostianal, okay. right on the coast. And Ostianal is the second most important beach when it comes to sea turtle conservation. So really? I went from doing all of this kind of like work with people and young women and mm -hmm. pretty much the whole idea is like empowering these girls and like helping them pursue an education. Um, and obviously with the kids and working with children and teaching English. And then now I'm on a beach doing sea turtle <laughs> conservation. In the middle right. Of Costa Rica. So you're just hitting all the boxes. Exactly. Like, I'm just like, check, like coolest <laughs> right, things right. I could ever do. Shout right. out to my parents. I love you guys. Um, but yeah. And so I was in Costa Rica for, two and a half months or so. Mm -hmm. um, and literally, I'm telling you, in Ostianal, there was a smoothie shack. Nice. And a pizza place. Respect. <laughs> and then the ranger station that I was living at. And that and was locals. It. And that was <laughs> nice. literally it. I ate rice and beans, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, black beans and rice every single day for the entire time that I was nice. there. Shout out to Costa Ricans, though. Your food is good, but <laughs> rice and beans, dude. <laughs> rice and beans. Just the bare I, oh my gosh. Lady. Yeah, it was insane. Um, but yeah, so it was when I'm like National Geographic hit me up because <laughs> I was. You got a story yeah, to tell. <laughs> night, I got a story. <laughs> night shifts in Ocinal every single night. We would take shifts um, and we would just walk the five kilometer beach mm -hmm. in the middle of the night looking for sea turtles and when we would find them. And when they were laying eggs, we would count how many eggs they laid, measure their shells, measure their fin, and or their flippers, and then tag the sea turtle. And I was literally like a freaking researcher out here. <laughs> and it's like, and it was rainy season, so it was like pissing rain. And yeah. I'm like, and like out here with like, my... This is like, you don't have a bio, like a marine biology. I don't know like... anything about marine <laughs> It's biology. like, that's like the one thing I was like, uh, like just the whole concept of like, if you have this like really big passion for what you want to serve, there are tons of ways outside of just full educational path mm -hmm. to get exactly there. and I think that the biggest thing like I think now especially because I, I think in a lot of ways like people have caught on to this idea that obviously like I travel a lot and whatnot and mm. I get a lot of people asking me like how do you do it like yeah, oh yeah. my gosh tell me your secret like yeah, as yeah. if there's That's some like sort of like, one of the closing comments yeah, I was gonna like ask you about. special recipe <laughs> for like how it is that I travel and it's like dude I work a part-time job at a coffee shop and so okay of course like I mentioned before mm. my parents this kind of like semester. So it ended mm -hmm. up being about six months of travel and then I ended up going to Europe afterwards right, with right. my family. Um, so I was abroad for quite a while. Yeah, right. um, almost a whole year, just like. Yeah, I mean, a, a little over half a year pretty right, much is right. what it was. Um, but then that kind of went into like a more consistent, yeah, yeah. you know, theme of traveling <laughs> whenever I really could. Um, but, but yeah, now, I, my parents were like, Hey, you're 18, mm -hmm. you know, I'm actually 19 now. It's just, mm -hmm. I forgot. It was just my birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like you need to start figuring out how you're going to do this. Right. And if you really want it, then you're going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so I did, I got a part-time job at a mm -hmm. coffee shop. I'm a full-time student. Yeah. I don't really have very much money. I mm -hmm. don't, but at the end of the day, um, one thing I can say is if you want it bad enough, you'll find you the simply way. do it. And one yeah, thing yeah. that my mom always tells me, Honestly, my mom is like an amazing boss, woman, boss woman, yeah. boss woman literally, <laughs> she's incredible, but she literally says she's like, because my mom has an amazing passion for travel, she used to work in international business, so right, right. she's traveled a tremendous amount, um, she always says, book the ticket now and figure out the rest later, Yeah. so that's what I did, 100%. I would book a plane ticket, like even now, I'm going to Japan in yeah, March, yeah, yeah. I booked my ticket, you just got back from Bali, just got back from Bali, I literally have no money. <laughs> I'm like, how am I going to pay for this? Japan's absurdly expensive. Oh, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to afford it. Yeah. But I'm like, well, if I worst the comes to worst, and... like there are coffee shops and there are like yeah. restaurants that need like dishes washed in Japan. Hey, we're going to make it work. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. You know what I mean? Is so it's like so many people are like, how do you do it? How do you do it? And it's like, if you want it bad enough, just like literally the answer is just do it. Just, Get a job. Yeah, just do it. And figure try it out. to save your money. Stop going out to eat so much. Put some dollar bills in your piggy bank mm. and book the ticket, right? Yeah, right? I don't know. I think like, I think because of course traveling is not cheap, mm. um, but there's a lot of ways to do it where you don't have to spend a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that's something that like, I think young people just really need 
that opportunity yeah. to go and see something different because yeah, it totally changed. Like I, like I said, I went into like, or whatever college or applied to college thinking that I was going to do business. And then all of this happened and now I'm a global studies major and mm -hmm. it couldn't have been a more perfect fit. Yeah. I go to school every day and I'm learning about things that I actually care about right, and that right. I'm actually passionate about. And I find so much connection between what I learn when I'm traveling mm -hmm. and kind of these ideas that I gain and this knowledge that I gain. And then it translates so perfectly into, into like what, what I'm learning, studying, what I'm studying. And it's like, it could, how, it couldn't yeah. have been more perfect. You and know it, what I mean? And it wouldn't have come exactly. without, first off, that struggle, that big yeah. struggle of the rejections. Mm -hmm. um, and then the experiences of traveling. One of my biggest recommendations to anybody like mm -hmm. trying to figure themselves out is travel, especially outside your area, whether it's to a different city in your state mm -hmm. or even to a whole different country. Yeah. Um, like kind of on that like closing topic sort of thing is um, you went through this really big moment of just uncertainty mm -hmm. um, and like quote unquote failure in the eyes of like today's society and everything like yeah. that. Um, where you had this 12 year point of your life, like 12 years spent in education, mm -hmm. trying like this is the path, this is the route and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And then you quickly learn that that's the uncertainty lies and yeah. nothing that you're, nothing that you're living is assured. So how do you deal with that uncertainty now? Where it's like you may again be on a whole different path in a couple of years. Yeah, well, that's a that's a good a good point, and I think it's it's a good question too because I think that one of the greatest things that I've learned is mm -hmm. you can't plan your life. Right. You can try as hard, hard as, as you will. will. Yeah. Um, but nothing is going to. Most things are mm -hmm. not going to go as planned. Yeah, yeah. And even and if they do, and if they have up until this point. That's incredible, yeah. and you're super lucky. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Um, but at some point, something's gonna go wrong, mm -hmm. and that's just a fact of life, yeah. right? And hopefully, it's not something incredibly tragic or terrible. But mm -hmm. like, what happened with me? Was it the end of the world that I got rejected from college? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was. Yeah. I didn't see the future mm -hmm. or the fact that, you know, this was going to open opportunities for me that I didn't even consider. Yeah. Um. And so, I mean, looking back, right? It's like that trip in that time abroad right peru and then costa rica and then i did europe with my family and then i ended up fiji last summer mm -hmm. right i spent a month and a half teaching english so now it's just this snowball effect of i'm so addicted <laughs> yeah yeah so first of all just traveling in general but second of all just to doing this people. kind of work yeah. and to knowing that like i get to spend time with these people who like other other people like me who mm. share similar passions right and I get to learn so much from them but just local people who yeah. like I said before it's like people with the least always so, want to give the yeah, most yeah. um and everybody that I've met along the way has completely changed my life but yeah it's like at this point right like I think we were talking about um like UCLA and whatever mm. and like kind of me now getting ready to transfer um and kind of looking ahead to moving along, like yeah. I said, and progressing. Yeah, yeah, not staying stagnant. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people have asked, like, are you scared, like, that you're not, I want to go to UCLA, right? And mm. so it's like, are you scared that you're not going to get in, or, like, whatever? And I think that a lot of that fear has gone away, because I know that, like, I, have you ever heard of the YouTuber Amy Lee? I have not. She's actually, like, a fashion blogger, pretty okay. much, but she makes a lot of videos about, like, lifestyle right, stuff right. or whatever. And she had this really good quote. I don't know if it's hers or what, where she found it, but she pretty much talks about how, like, the universe is almost always, like, conspiring with you, right? So yeah, it's, yeah. like, either, mm -hmm. the, like, you ask for something or, mm -hmm. like, you put something out there and the answer is either yeah, yeah. yes, which everybody wants to hear yes, mm -hmm. or not right now, right? Maybe, like, I wasn't ready. Yeah. Fresh out of high school, I needed. I had to learn so much. Yeah. I needed to change. Yourself, and I needed to grow. About the world. And I wasn't else. ready. Like yeah, thinking yeah. back, I'm like, I probably would have not done well. I probably yeah, would have yeah. hated what I was doing, etc. I wasn't ready for school mm -hmm. to go off at 17 and just be at, be at a four year school. I needed to have this experience. And the third is third answer, right? That she talks about in her little topic about you know, mm -hmm. um, like what is it? So it's yes, you're not ready, and then the third is, this opportunity isn't for you, pretty much, mm -hmm. where it's like something else is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And I think that that's like kind of like a, a little mantra that I try to live by is, is that if something doesn't work out, as long as I know that I put in as much, much work as could, yeah. that I could and I did something to the best of my ability, mm. then I don't have any control over it anymore. Yeah, and yeah. like, why am I going to be upset if it didn't work out? Yeah. Right? It's like with school now. People are like, oh, are you scared that you're not going to get into UCLA? And I'm like, well, of course I like want to go there. And like, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. like I would be sad if I didn't get in. But if it doesn't happen for me, I can wholeheartedly say that, hey, I genuinely did everything, everything that I could. possibly could. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing more that I could have done. I put in the work that I needed to, and it's not in it's not in my hands anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that that's something that goes with everything. Um, yeah. Is when you can kind of like you say, let like first of all embrace the uncertainty. Yeah. Um, and then kind of let go of the fear of air quotes failure. Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah, I think that's kind of like the theme. Um, for me the past three years I'd say two or yeah, like two and a half years mm -hmm. or whatever how yeah. long it's been I don't know um, it's just allowing myself to let things happen mm -hmm. and to not try to be such a control freak about everything right, right. Um, because you can't you can't be yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes when you are you let opportunities pass yeah. you by um, you're so focused yeah. on this one thing happening that you're putting yeah. all of the other streams of possibility. Yeah, like one really important thing that I've realized now is it's like, I need, like, I just want to be in a position where when things come and opportunities present themselves to me, mm -hmm. I want to be in a position where I know that I'm ready for them. Right. And that's all that I can really do. Yeah. Right? Because I can't control what comes. Yeah, yeah. Um, all I can do is try to grow and better myself and yeah. continue learning, etc., so that when the opportunities do present themselves, yeah. I don't have to be scared that I'm not ready. Yeah. I can just, you know, grab it and mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Well, um, but yeah. Tani, that's pretty much it. Thank <laughs> you so much for coming thank onto the podcast and like having your story. Like, I absolutely like you're really one of the biggest inspirations for me, especially oh, when it comes thank to you. travel. You as well, dude. That's I wish <laughs> I was out there freaking. I love coffee. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> right, but, right. You know. Yeah, well, my thank you so much, and yeah. hopefully we'll get to talk again, and maybe if you start your podcast, we can see what happens from there. Yeah, true. Sounds I should probably good. get on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this, again, was the Mind and Soul podcast for creators, wanderers, explorers, and everything else in between. As always, peace, love, and happiness in everything that you do, and much love.